All right, so it's the Ruby on Rails podcast at South by Southwest talking with Michael Buffington, serial entrepreneur, now working on Stick It. Just last night, received the award for most technologically advanced, what was it? Uh, best technical, technical achievement. Yeah. Best technical achievement. Woo. Yeah, it was great. Presented by Zay Frank. Did you actually shake his hand? I did shake his hand, and I said something unintelligible, I think. I don't remember what I said. It was just like... Like, hey man, or something. <laughs> yeah, because he's really famous now. I actually had the opportunity to have tacos with Zay Frank one time, but this was well before he was Zay Frank. Do you think he remembers you now that no. you're more famous than you were then? No, certainly not. No, no I don't know. Maybe he does. I don't know. So, what is Stick It? Stick It is an application that allows you to create online notes and things like that. But um, it's a little more than just that. So, it uh, takes your raw data and tries to find some actual meaning in that raw data. So if you have some natural language um, that you put in there, like uh, you know, meeting with Joe Smith next Friday at 4 p.m., uh, it recognizes that that is a calendar entry. And it knows that next Tuesday at 4 p.m. actually means uh, March 14th at 2 p.m. Did I say 2 p.m., 4 p.m.? doesn't matter. Um, and it does that for to-do lists, it does it for contact information, um, bookmarks, and allows you to tag things and um, add reminders and share with other people, all in this just one text box. And so you're able to really jot down really free-flow sort of notes that sort of work into your workflow and not have to adapt to like figuring out all sorts of boxes to fill in or check or anything like that. And, um, it's really powerful. I mean, we, you can email stuff in, and it processes it just like it would on the UI. Um, there's an API that a lot of people are making just great widgets for, and uh, it's really cool. And it's really smart both ways. I mean, you just type in maybe a to-do list with text, but then it right. turns it into checkboxes that you can check off, and then when right. you're in text again, you can see that that's been done. Yeah, so the web UI, it's um, we didn't want to do too much of that because... We want people to realize that it really is just about the text, and it's their text. So when you go to the web UI and you can check things off a list, it's nice and everything, but we, we kind of shied away from doing too much UI stuff um, just because we wanted people to know that you could go into that your to-do list that you created and change a, a minus sign to a plus sign to indicate that it's done. And it knows, and like you'll see on the right-hand pane, it's saying um, you now have... Uh, one of the three items checked off your to-do list just by changing that one thing. So it's constantly looking at the text in there um, and pulling a little bit of data out, but at the same time always leaving your data exactly as you put it in. So where did you get the idea from? Well, it was actually Real Dornfest's idea to begin with. And he has a story about how um, one of the assistants at O'Reilly was just really efficient, and she had this sort of almost like a pigeon that she would write in that she would use to help coordinate meetings and tasks li- task lists lists. <laughs> it's it's day three of South by Southwest, <laughs> folks. Um, <laughs> Maybe even day four, but I don't know. It's two. We've lost count. So there's this sort of cute little story about this um, assistant named Sandy who would help coordinate everything, and he was like, you know, it would be really great if we could somehow um, do that programmatically, but still keep some of that sort of humanness to it. Um, not forcing the the end user to have to conform to some system, let them develop the system on their own, but be smart enough to be able to infer what they're talking about. 
Now, it seemed appropriate for Rail to come up with that because he wrote a blogging engine that I can't pronounce, Bloxum. Blossom. Blossom. Yeah. And that was just all text-based. You just dropped some text files right. in the directory, and then it made an RSS yeah, feed and, and stuff out for you. This yeah. almost seems like a descendant of that, even though this isn't a blogging engine. I, I'm sure that there's some influences on Stick It because of Blossom, um, but... I'm doing Rail a disservice by saying that I actually haven't played with it. So <laughs> I've only heard good things, and you know, um, I'm not sure if he maintains it anymore. But there's still a heavy following of Blossom. People users. wrote plugins for it, and yeah, and they still and, are. I yeah. think Mike Clark, his blog, at least for a while, it ran off yeah, of it. Yeah, I've considered using it just so I can learn it, and know what it's like. But so with any pro- project. If it's a good project, it usually ends up changing a little bit. How has Stick It changed now that people are using it and it's out of months of development? Well, um, so we kind of we kind of set it up to be pretty broad in the sort of features that we wanted to put out there because we wanted to see how people would use it. So we'd start watching patterns and things like that. And um, we're noticing that people are using it via email much more than we would have expected. Okay. Um, well, not necessarily much more than we would have expected, but we... We knew that people would be using that a lot, but we also thought they'd be using a lot of the other things just as much. But it's really shifted more towards email. And so we've um, you know, thought about what that means, and we've started to make it easier to, to uh, email stuff in and make the email portion a little bit more powerful than it already is. Um, I'm not really sure when we're going to roll that out, but we've got some new features coming that we think are pretty impressive. Now, I hope this doesn't reveal a company secrets, but... When I visited your office one time, James Stuck and Davidson occasionally does some consulting, and, yeah. and you were talking about really what your servers run on Mac OS ten, yeah. and you were really using some of the OS ten native features in order to make yes. this efficient. Yeah, does that allow you to be a lot more powerful with the stuff you do on email, or just for it to be reliable, snappy, um, instant response? I think. I mean, we could do the email stuff on pretty much any server. And, and I'm not revealing any secrets by saying that the the reason why we like OS 10, well, there's a couple of reasons. Support wise, it's great and all that sort of stuff. But just you know, toss that aside. We really love some of the sort of like instant PDF creation that you can do. All the core Aqua, you know. Oh, or, or, so you're using that? Is it Quartz? Is what it is. So a lot of that stuff you can do some interesting things with. So this isn't a feature that's even slated for release or anything like that. But just imagine that you wanted a thumbnail of a website for whatever reason, it can do it really fast and you don't have to worry about image magic libraries or, I mean, all of that stuff is such a pain. Um, it almost pays for itself to just have the OS, have it be integrated into the OS. I, you know, my graphing library that I wrote, based it off of our magic, somebody sent me an alternate version that just used core image and all the yeah, Cocoa graphics and it looked as good or better I almost wish I could just <laughs> bail on our magic version. I know. Uh, I, it, it drives me crazy that nobody's come up with just a real clean, easy alternative to Image Magic or R Magic. I mean, or what's the, I mean, is R Magic is the alternative the to Image Magic? part. Yeah, I mean, Image it's, C part. Yeah, there's like two two competing ones though, isn't there? There's the graphics magic. Yeah. Oops. See, but that's part of the problem, right? It's like there's no clear choice as what to use, and it's like just get it together. I don't have to have like all these X libraries and like why do I have all these dependencies when it just seems like it could be a lot easier. It doesn't seem like image manipulation should ever be that difficult. But that's a pretty big digression anyways. 
Well, initially you said you were using Stickit itself as a bug tracker, but then you decided to branch off and just use something a more yeah. established bug tracker. Why did you make the decision to use a separate tool rather than broadening the scope or abilities of Stickit? Because it seems like that might be a capability that could do. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely started using it, and then we began to realize that Stickit wasn't the tool. There was a lot of things that, like, um, we use Track now, and Track has a lot of features that um, we like that we don't necessarily think should be in Stickit. Um, and I suppose we could probably revisit it now that we've you know, put a lot more functionality into Stickit, but at the time it was like Track had way more things that we were that we needed and uh, stuff sort of started getting lost in Stickit. And we took a lot of the lessons learned from using it ourselves and applied it to the real thing, but um, you know, I don't want Stickit to try to show a commit history time log. And I don't want to try to hook that up and it's like if something already does it and it does it well, then I'll stick with it. I appreciate you trying to get stick involved in as many <laughs> sentences as possible. <laughs> I'll try to use stickets too, which is funny because it's a it's an anagram. It's a verb and, and a, a noun. And a noun and a, yeah, it's a, it's amazing. <laughs> what an anagram is that? Where you rearrange the letters and spell oh, wait, is something that right? else? What's the? It's a palindrome. A palindrome. Yeah, stickets is a palindrome, so you can you can read oh, it backwards. Yeah. We didn't know that. Somebody actually pointed it out in our community forums, and we're like, "Hey, you're right. That's great." <laughs> Now, you first launched Stickit at the Web 2.0 conference. Yeah. And even, I think you won some awards there, or at least got some exposure. Uh, yeah, I mean, we definitely got exposure. We were on this launch pad thing where, like, 13 other companies were launching. And, you know, come to think of it, I think we were actually the only ones who actually really actually launched a product. Most people announced products, but we actually opened up wide open beta um, right then and there. And it was... It was pretty fun and kind of stressful, too, because there was a lot going on. But um, we're happy that we did it because, you know, having it coincide with that conference meant that a lot of people came and checked it out really quickly, and we got really good feedback right off the bat. And, uh, I mean, that's really, that's really hard to get. Now, you had a lot of high-profile people working on the project, Rails, well-known worked at O'Reilly. Dan yeah. Cedarholm did some of the front-end design. Yeah. You were working on the project. Did you use that fame to promote Stick It, or were, um, were there other ways that you worked on advertising promoting it? Well, I mean, we certainly, like, I mean, I know Dan Cedarholm blogged about it a couple times, and I'm super excited if I see a presentation by Dan that has some of the work he did for Stick It in it. Because, um, I mean, he's usually taking and extracting lessons out of the work that he's done. And while he might not be, you know, talking about Stickit being a good product, he is talking about how, you know, he solved this one problem. Um, but we've been, we've actually been pretty careful about making sure that um, we're not pulling too many, or we're not pulling too many favors from people. Because we want it to succeed in its own right. We don't want people to look at it and go, well, you know, here's this thing that... Um, it's sort of marginally neat, but it's only famous because it's from Rail and because Rail knows people or whatever. We don't want that sort of impression. So we've actually been sort of careful about that. Um, but we got these people who have big names because they do good work. And if they, even if they didn't have big names, we would probably would have pulled them on because they do good work. Dan Cedarholm is just an amazing graphic designer and really quickly understands how to 
uh, how to design for a product. Um, and James Duncan Davidson is just great at setting up servers and doing all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, it was all about their merit more than anything else. Now, technically, a lot more is happening in this kind of application than a traditional web application. It's not just presenting and pulling data out of the database and putting it back in. You're actually processing the text quite a bit. Why did you choose that to do that on the server or the Ruby side? Did you ever even consider using JavaScript maybe on the client side to do that since there's so frequent updates as a person is editing a sticket that it's parsing it every couple of seconds? So, yeah, we've done a, we've, we've tried a little bit of server uh, client-side parsing, and we do have just some, some hints of it in there, but um, a lot of that stuff, I mean... It's, there's like lexical parsers behind in Ruby that are just doing you know, some pretty significant work to try to make sure that they can understand clearly what's going on. And I don't think you could do it in JavaScript. And if we did, um, you know, that's kind of our core business right there, that natural You'd language processing. Right out to the We'd world. be throwing it right out to the world. And, you know, we love people to be able to do cool things and everything like that. But we also like to pay the bills and things and stay sure. in business. Um, but Ruby does a really fair job. We have David Wheeler's our lead um, architect, and he's like this pearl god. And he learned Ruby the first day he started working for us, and, and we knew it. We we just knew it. Like David, you're a pearl guy. We know this, but we know you can learn Ruby, and we know you can be really good at it. And he is. He's just fantastic. Um, and he, I'm pretty sure he loves Ruby. <laughs> David, if you're listening. You might need a rebuttal out in the wild, but we'll see. <laughs> well, thanks for chatting. The only last thing is when I went skateboarding with you, your wife warned me that everyone who skates with you breaks some bone, and indeed, <laughs> I broke my foot. Has anyone else gone skating with you since then? Yes. <laughs> Did they break bones? Yes. <laughs> um. This is a warning yeah. to any of you. If you do come and visit me in Portland, Oregon, and I take you to the skate park, I mean, even if you're a proficient skater, it's the curse of the Buffington. And by the way, I usually walk away totally fine. Um, and it doesn't make me feel very good, but I'm sure it doesn't make the other participant feel any better. <laughs> well, fortunately, he's healed, and next time I That's go, good. I won't tell you that I'm there. I felt really <laughs> awful. Because <laughs> I, so Jeff, he, he, I saw him fall down. And this was really brave of Jeff. There was a bunch of It was of like kids. a 20 foot high wall that I yeah. went off, 30, I think. Yeah, and what did you say about that same 20 foot high wall? You said the last time you did it? I uh, broke my arm like he broke five his years arm. earlier. So this is. been in there many times in between. But you didn't hit that wall, right? <laughs> So there's a bunch of kids up there, and they're like, I, I can't drop in, I can't drop in. And Jeff says, well, if I drop in, will you drop in? And they said, yes. And, of course, <laughs> you drop in on this crazy high wall, and but you then fall they down. Did. And, and then they, they did dropped well. in later on, and you walked away like there was nothing wrong. But <laughs> it was obvious you were hurting bad. <laughs> yeah, that's really admirable. Those children could someday be, you know, really important people in society they conquered their and fear i was the they, one that motivated them yes pushed them over that edge literally <laughs> <laughs> well thanks michael uh so stickit.com s-t-i-k-k-i-t yes thank you thank you for the interview
Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored by Peep Code Screencasts. Free episodes for your Ruby user group and a new site design. Check it out at peepcode.com.